All right. I almost grabbed that microphone, even though there's one in my face. Um, so uh, it's a privilege to be able to be up here and speak with you all about the uh, missions trip that we went on. And I do want to share about missions trips in general, um, uh, because they, they really are a life-changing experience. Uh, any of you in this room, if you have ever been on a missions trip, you know uh, many of the things that I'm um, talking about and, and uh, same feelings that I'm going to share this morning. And uh, it, so it's really awesome to be able to do this. Um, Liz and I um, both uh, have a very big heart for missions uh, and going on missions trips. Um, and it's one of the reasons why we always uh, focus on having missions trips available for the teenagers to, to go on every summer. Uh, since we've been here, minus, um, you know, uh, pandemic years, um, we have uh, gone on a missions trip every summer and we usually flip it in-country trip and the next year's out of country and go back and forth um, on that. Uh, and the reason is because the in-country trips are a lot more accessible for our junior hires uh, to be able to go on. So junior high and high school can go on our uh, in-country trips. And then when we go out of country, uh, we have to, you have to be 16 and above to be able to do that. Um, and, and so, um, but part of the reason that, that we have this in place is because Liz and I have both how our lives changed on missions trips and seeing God work in amazing ways and understand the, the life-changing properties and, and um, the things that happen in your heart when you go out and do ministry uh, for, uh, on a missions trip or whatever uh, and, and really see God work in amazing ways in other countries. Um, so um, that's part of the reason why, why we do this. Normally, we do just a youth trip and it's teenagers and youth leaders going on a trip. But this year, the district put on this trip as a uh, co-ed, teenager, adult, you know, uh, spanning across. Um, and it really was an amazing trip. Um, anybody that went on a trip um, uh, will tell you that it was a great trip. Um, and uh, it really was awesome. And um, uh, it was really great to be able to have all of our teenagers, um, from my perspective as the youth pastor, all of our teenagers be on a trip with uh, some older men and, and women and uh, other teenagers from different churches and, and uh, just to be able to see everybody working together to accomplish the ministry that God has placed in, in Peru where we went. Um, so the, the big idea that I want to talk about today is that we are all called to be missionaries, right? Some go, some stay, some support, but all share Jesus, Everybody shares Jesus. We are all called to be missionaries. And I think that even if you're not called to be out on the mission field and, and move to, you know, um, some other country and, and do ministry there and reach other people, it doesn't mean that you're not called to tell others about Jesus. And in that same way, we all have missions fields around us in, in our workplaces and our jobs. Our teenagers, uh, middle school, high school, um, even, even the kids in elementary school, um, they're in one of the biggest missions fields of their lives during that time. Uh, never, never again, once after graduating high school, are you going to have that same type of a mission field um, that you will when you are a, a teenager in high school or junior high. Um, it, it really is an incredible opportunity. So we are all called to be missionaries in some way or another. Um, so um, uh, Thursday night, we got back from our missions trip to Peru. Um, if you were on that trip, you want to raise your hand. And we had Noah and Shane and uh, Wesley, who's working downstairs, Linda. Uh, Shane's parents, uh, Angie and Patrick, uh, were also there. Stephanie was there. Am I missing anybody? Bessie. Bessie. She was first service. Um, but anyways, those were all the people from Church of Briargate. But we had 28 people from Rocky Mountain Ministry Network um, go back or come back from uh, Peru. Technically, it was actually 1 o'clock in the morning on Friday. It was great. 
so, um, and uh, I, you know, get back from the trip. I'm totally tired, and I'm like, I am going to sleep forever this next morning. So, you know, finally get to bed at probably 3 o'clock in the morning. 6 o'clock rolls around, and I'm wide awake. I don't know what's going on. Uh, it was just like, it was great. <laughs> so, um, but it was really cool being able to have this entire group of um, people from the Rocky Mountain Ministry Network. If you guys aren't familiar with how uh, our district works with the AG, um, our ministry network is a group of churches that work together um, to be able to facilitate ministry in this district. And it is all of Colorado and Utah, all the AG churches there. And so when I say uh, Rocky Mountain Ministry Network, that is what I'm referring to. Um, so it was really cool to be able to um, have this trip and, and go on it. Um, and having it together, it was really awesome to be able to see, um, you know, the young men be able to see um, some of the older men um, and their love for Jesus and their work ethic, that mentorship that's there. And uh, the same thing with the, the young women and the older women. And uh, it really was a, a great opportunity to do that, to go out and, and see God work in different ways. Um, so uh, we've got different pictures and video clips going on, and they're just going to kind of loop through, um, just so you can kind of see a little bit of everything that we were doing down there in Peru. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment, but I wanted to share with you one of the reasons, uh, some of the reasons that I love uh, missions trips so much. Some of the things that, that really um, make, it put my heart in a place to say that everybody, if you have the opportunity, should go on a missions trip. Uh, and especially if you have a missions trip opportunity to go out of the country, I think that you should take that. Um, so my first missions trip technically was, was when I was about 12 years old. My grandparents, um, I grew up in Wisconsin, and my grandparents um, couldn't stay in the cold weather, so they went to the complete opposite end of the United States, down in Brownsville, Texas, every winter. And uh, we decided to drive down there and visit them down there one winter. And uh, we took this missions trip across the border uh, into Matamoros, uh, Mexico. And, um, and really it wasn't too much. Uh, it was a day trip. We went in there, and uh, we... we uh, brought a bunch of teddy bears and like stuffed animals, like all kinds of things, candy and things like that to hand out to the kids of this area. Um, and, and I remember um, going there and, and, and experiencing that. Um, and then with my youth ministry, my first mission trip um, with my youth ministry was to Pine Bluff, Arkansas when I was 14 years old. And um, we went all the way down there and did these kids' outreaches and the projects, and, and it was the first time that I ever had biscuits and chocolate gravy, and uh, it was a life-changing moment. And uh, I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't think chocolate gravy was um, possible. Um, and so, so that was really cool. Um, we, we did children's ministry out there, and I, I remember uh, being so excited to go and, and experience this. And um, uh, when we were down there, we went to all of these different housing projects in the area, and this massive church would put on this huge kids outreach every year. Um, and we went down there, and we would go and like knock on a couple doors in these these housing projects. And all these kids would get so excited, we'd show up with a big bus and just cram the bus full of kids and take them to the church and do these outreaches through the day. And um, and it really like even even at that beginning moment of that trip, uh, I had this perspective change in my life of. Man, I didn't know that there were kids in America that, that lived like this. I didn't know that there were people in this world that, that had to live with these conditions. And, you know, you'd get a little, they, they were like, if anybody invites you in or tells you, you know, like, hey, you want to drink a water or something, just don't take it. Don't go inside. You don't know what's going on in there and all this stuff. And, and you know, we'd get glimpses of looking through the door and 
trying to get the kids to come out and, and hang out and you would see some of the stuff and that they're living with and the impoverish, impoverishment and impover, poverty, the poverty, you know, I don't know, make your up your own word. Um, but <laughs> um, you would see some of the stuff going on and, and some of these kids are only getting like one meal a day and um, living like this. And then, you know, you'd look out in the parking space out front and there's this like super nice car that's like lifted up on 22 inch wheels and, and a super nice paint job. And, and uh, obviously there's priority issues that are going on there um, when you've got all this money dumped into a car, but you can't even feed your kids, you know. Um, and my life was, was, was changed, and, you know, seeing the, the way that the, uh, the kids would come to this ministry and just like experience so much joy and so much happiness out of getting a free meal and, and singing, singing uh, kids songs in church and, and, and learning about Jesus and going forward to the altar and giving their lives to Jesus and, and like having so much joy, even though they had so little. And uh, from that moment on, I was like, I, I want to keep doing this. I got to keep going on missions trips. And, and so after that, I went to Biloxi, Mississippi and helped clean up after Hurricane Katrina. And then I did my first trip, um, you know, big trip out of the country with my youth group to Oaxaca, Mexico. And we did youth outreaches and, and uh, all kinds of different things there. Um, and then we did a trip to inner city Milwaukee and then a trip to New York while I was, and all of this was while I was in youth group. And when I got to college, uh, it continued and uh, we we, we took a trip to Mardi Gras, um, which was incredible, and it was kind of like an interesting thing. Obviously, there's things that happen at Mardi Gras that are not appropriate, and so uh, we literally were just there to tell people about Jesus and pray for people and look for opportunities to to show the love of Christ, right? And so um, they did a really good job of doing that. Um, we went out in pairs as college students, and there was a guy with a girl, and the guys had to wear ball caps, and the girls uh, were there to protect their eyes from things, and, uh, and the guys were there to protect the girls physically, and, and literally we just walked around and told people about Jesus in this place that literally is, is, um, is so oppressed uh, spiritually, and you can tell the darkness. And, and I remember very specifically, we were staying away from Bourbon Street where all the craziness was happening, uh, but we had a church that we were at, and half of the group was was praying at the church the entire time that we were out there witnessing to other people that we would receive words from the Holy Spirit and 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 have a power for healing and all this kind of stuff. And then halfway through, we would swap, and and literally, I remember um, I, I, this is one of the strongest moments I've ever felt like this. I've had other moments like this too, but I remember walking, when we were switching out, walking across Bourbon Street, feeling like an incredible, heavy spiritual oppression walking through that area. And it was like I physical weight on my shoulders because of the, the spiritual darkness that was in that area. And to be able to go into a place like that where it's truly needed um, and, and just at least shine some of the light of Jesus in a place like that, um, it was amazing uh, to be able to do that and to be used by God in such a way and to also be brought to the realization that, man, this is a lot more real than we think it is sometimes, right? This is a lot more serious. There really is some big spiritual warfare happening. And, um, and you know, to pause in this moment um, and just say that sometimes if we get caught up in this routineness and almost like the religion of church, rather than the relationship with Jesus and the calling that he has on our lives, it can be really easy to, to, to get into a place of like, yeah, I go to church all the time and, and uh, I know it's the right thing to do, but I don't know. You know, you can easily fall into a place of like, 
is this stuff really real? Is God really doing this thing? Especially if you've just been going to church your whole life and, and, and uh, it's easy to step into something like that. But when you make the decision to actually go out and take that next step and, and, and follow a call of God to go somewhere and do something and share his word, telling other people about Jesus, it brings it into a whole new light and a whole new life. And I think that, like, if you're ever in the place where you're like, man, I feel like I'm doing pretty good, and, and I, I have a relationship with Jesus, I go to church and all this stuff, but I just, want to, I just want more. I just want to go deeper. I feel like we've all been in that place before. I just want more of God. Can I just feel more or get deeper in relation? How do I do that? And, and I would say that the, the way that you do that is by telling other people about him. If you're really looking for that next step in your walk with Jesus, it's telling other people about who he is. It's, it's following that call that God is putting in your life to, to go and tell the world about him, whether that's the person living next to you, the person who works next to you, or going to you know, the other side of the world to tell people about Jesus. That, that, is, that is truly what brings your relationship with Jesus alive. I, I really believe this. Um, after that, uh, Liz and I went on a trip to India, and that one was uh, an entire month. Uh, of, of travel and going to India. And, uh, and again, our, our eyes are open to, to so many different things and, and spiritual warfare in a, in a, in a way that I had, I had never experienced before. And, um, there was a, uh, there was a moment where we were sitting there, um, doing a Bible study in this orphanage, this road, uh, separated this community and everything on one side of the road was a Hindu community and everything on the other side, most of the stuff on the other side was either not or this, this missionary's family. They had this orphanage where they took care of children. And, um, and we were doing this Bible study one night and we heard this like weird chanting and, and uh, this ringing and stuff like that. And, and uh, we were all kind of like, you know, what the heck is going on? You know, it was happening. And, and we look out the window on this road and there's these people walking down this road and, um, and there's a guy in the front ringing a, a, a like a marble in a jar kind of kind of thing or a rock, and they're all chanting. And there's this guy that's like totally drunk or high and and uh, following them. And what they're doing, our missionary was like, first of all, this this is the part that freaked me out. He's like, oh, did you guys hear dogs barking the other night? And I was like, hold up. <laughs> and uh, and and we did. It was like the most weird thing ever. I'm like, it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to sleep, and these dogs start barking. And I'm like, I wish these dogs would shut up. And uh, and then, uh, so, so then the missionary said, what they're doing right now is anytime dogs bark on this side of the community, somebody over here dies. And then what happens is these people over here are going to walk through and they're calling all the demons around the area into this man so that they can interrogate them and find out who sent the demons to kill this person. And, and, and our missionary was like, I know it sounds crazy, especially coming from America. I know it sounds crazy, but every time dogs bark on this side, somebody over here dies. And every time dogs bark over here like that, somebody over here dies. And there's this spiritual warfare, this realness that my eyes were open to in a way that I hadn't seen before. And, um, and it really was crazy. After that, uh, Liz and I went on a missions trip again during college to, a, uh, to Moldova. And we went there and we helped with um, girls being rescued from going into sex trafficking. Uh, really was an amazing experience. Uh, they told us while we were there that the, the number one export out of Moldova is wine, and the number two, because it's vineyards everywhere, um, the number two export out of Moldova um, was women for sex trafficking. And, uh, and it really was, um, it, it, it's, it's hard to see that stuff. It's hard to, to realize that that's there. But at the same time, it was amazing to be able to have the opportunity to go in and, and, and be there and try to help in a way that we could, you know? And so what they would do is they had this home for these girls because 
tradition there is uh, anybody that's an orphan, once you age out of the orphanage, they give you a bus ticket back to where you're from and a little bit of cash. And usually what happens is there's a pimp waiting at the bus stop and, and he's there to offer a family, offer a life, offer a career and all this stuff. Like, it sounds really good, right? They're like, we're, you know, we'll be your family now and everything like that. All you have to do is this or that or whatever. And, and so instead of that happening, uh, they built these facilities for these girls to come and get an education and they walk them through coming out of the orphanage, going through an education and getting them a job so that they don't have to go into that life. Right, um, that was an amazing mission trip, and then we moved here to Colorado, and we began taking mission trips with our teenagers. Um, we went to uh, Haiti. Uh, that's where Isaac Bottoms decided he wasn't going to be a missionary because he sweat too much, and uh, <laughs> and uh, that was a really good trip. Uh, we went to San Diego. We went to El Salvador and did children's ministry there. We did a men's trip to uh, San Miguel, Mexico. Uh, we went to the Atlanta Dream Center. And we took that yellow bus out there all the way there and back, and we will never do that again. And um, really was an amazing trip. Uh, and it was just a really long drive in that bus with no air conditioning. And it was 107 degrees in Kansas City. Um, but it was only 80 degrees in Atlanta, so I don't know what happened there. Um, and then uh, we went to Wyoming and did a uh, VBS with Liz's old youth pastor, who's now a pastor up there in Wyoming. And then uh, we took a youth trip and did construction work and, and more VBS uh, children's ministry stuff in Cuauhtémoc, Mexico. And then last year we went to Rockaway Beach, Missouri um, and, and helped out there. And then we just got back from this trip to Peru. So those are all of the mission trips that, that I've been on that I can remember. And... Um, and, and each and every one of these trips, after my first trip, my life was changed forever. I couldn't believe all the things that I saw. And, and the way that God worked um, through, through all of these people, like, like in my mind, I'm like, we're only going down there for a week. How much can we do? And all this kind of stuff. What's really the big thing? But then like, you see all the, thing God's, the things that God does, and you're just blown away that God would work in this way and that these, this, this culture shift and this idea um, and the way that, like I said, some of these kids had to live in America because of the situation that they were born into and the home life that they had. They had no choice. Like, it's not like they chose, like, you know, do I want to be born into this nice family who loves me or this one that doesn't feed me lunch? You know, it's, they didn't have that choice, right? And, and they just need the love of God. Um, it was amazing to see the way that God would work in those lives. And, and, uh, and, and I immediately got hooked on it. I'm like, man, I need, to, I need to continue. This needs to be a part of my life is going on trips and, and, and doing missions, right? And uh, so then I went on my second trip, and I'm like, hey, I'm a pro. I've been on a missions trip before. I know exactly what's going to happen. I know that God does these things and all this stuff. And again, I'm just like totally broken in a new way, and God's like, ha, I got you again. And, uh, and so it's it just like, you know, as much as I expected was going to happen, everything was totally different in a new way and better way, and, and, and God continued to work. And every trip that I go on, God works in amazing ways, and it's always a new experience on the way that God uses his people to share his message. And this trip was no exception to that. Um, one of my favorite things as a youth pastor is being able to see our students experience missions trips in the same way that I experienced it when I was a student. Um, and and that's, that's a huge reason why Liz and I um, are, are so adamant about giving missions trips opportunities, um, because we know that our lives were changed by that. And to be able to watch uh, these teenagers go out in these places and have their, their perspectives just totally changed and, and their worldview just opened up wider than they could ever have thought before and, and realized like, hey, you know, this kid is having all the joy in the world because he's kicking a bottle cap around with his friends and I'm 
playing my play, PlayStation 5 at home, you know, like, and, uh, and, and it's like this, this huge culture shift and this change, but it's literally one of my favorite things to see God uh, work in the lives of our students um, on these missions trips. Um, and, and I truly believe, again, if you have the opportunity, you should go on at least one missions trip in your life. If you have the ability to do it, you should go on at least one missions trip in your life. One of the things that made this trip special to me was the fact that we had a group from our Rocky Mountain Ministry Network going to serve missionaries from our Rocky Mountain Ministry Network. They're, they're, they're our network missionaries. And we were using resources that were raised by our network. And so it was like this incredible full circle of like, this is the entire picture of, of what it looks like to send missionaries, to go and be a missionary, to, to raise money for Speed the Light or BGMC so that these, we can hand out Bibles to these kids. And all these Bibles were bought by, by you know, BGMC and raising money for missions from kids and stuff. And, and it really was an amazing thing to be able to see like this full circle of, um, of what was happening. And what a, what a beautiful picture it was of how the body of Christ working together can accomplish such great things. That these people who are, some of them are coming from these indigenous places uh, down the river and, and stuff and uh, are, are able to experience who Jesus is because somebody was willing to go and, and accept that call. Somebody was willing to give. Somebody was willing to take a trip. You know, and, and these things that little nudge of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, maybe you should go on a missions trip. Maybe you should give. Man, if you ever feel that, I encourage you, no matter what, whether it's missions trip or not, if you feel a nudge from the Holy Spirit, maybe I should start doing this. Can I just encourage you to lean into that nudge a little bit? Can I encourage you to just like fall into it and let, let God do something big in your life? Let God do something amazing in your life. Um, so it was a really good trip. As you've been seeing from some of the pictures, um, we were in Iquitos, Peru. Um, the only way that you can get to Iquitos is by an airplane or by boating down the Amazon River. Or it's not technically the Amazon yet. Um, the Amazon kind of starts in Iquitos from these bigger tributaries that flow into that. And, uh, and it really was a great trip. So the, the, the main things that we were doing when we were down there is we were um, helping build a, a second level of this church facility that they had going on so that they can do Christian education for all of these children in the area. This church that we were at um, had a, a pretty small meeting space that when we first showed up, I mean, just completely packed and um, no room for anybody to move around or do anything. And so we went and, and they, they built this entire new facility that's, that's going to be like four stories large um, so that they can bring more kids and, and keep educating them and, and giving them schooling and, and opportunities and telling them about Jesus and all this stuff. Um, and so part of the reason we were there was to help facilitate some of that children's ministry and then also to help move along in that building project as we were down there. So you see a lot of pictures of um, uh, tying rebar. That's basically what we did the whole time we were there. And, and it was a lot of rebar tying and um, prepping and stuff. And, you know, sometimes you can get a little bit discouraged because you're like, all I'm doing is tying these little cages onto some rebar. And you're like, I want to make a big difference. And you get done with it and there's not really like... It's not like the building is there when you leave, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your part of, of something bigger, but, um, man, everything that was done there was so valuable to the church and the community that was there. And it was an amazing opportunity. Um, the first day that we were there, um, we did take a little bit of a tourist day. This is part of that. We were out on these boats and we went up one of the tributaries of the Amazon. Um, I think it was the Ugalale or something like that, or I don't know, make up your own word. And, uh, so 
we, we took this trip out and uh, we got to go to an indigenous people group and uh, they, they live out, out in the jungle and uh, they actually built this, this jungle house um, for visitors to be able to come off of the river and see how they live and, and they make crafts and stuff for, for you to buy and, and kind of experience that. And uh, it was really a, a pretty cool thing. And uh, I was kind of expecting it was just going to be like, oh, we're going to see this, and, and it's just going to be an opportunity to buy some bracelets or, you know, some, some neat things. Um, but um, one of the ways that they welcomed us when we got there was by singing us worship songs in their language. And, and the, the chief of the village began to explain to us that, that they serve the one and only God, and they are, are faithful Christians and all this um, and, and most of that is because at some point a missionary went out and told them about who Jesus was and it, it, it all happened. And so now you have this, this, this village that lives out in this indigenous place and, uh, and, and they completely serve God because somebody went out and told them who, who God was. Somebody went out and shared that message with them. Um, and so it was really cool to be able to um, experience that. Uh, we also had the opportunity to um, go to a couple of different places that day along the river. Um, there's a a uh, picture in there of a, a sloth that is super cute. And, um, and then also an anaconda that was pretty cool. Um, I have no idea why, but Linda did not want to go and see the anaconda at all. Um, and so she stayed back. Uh, it's kind of like this little, uh, this little zoo that they had there. And so as soon as we got close to it, um, one of the other leaders was like, okay, Linda, this is where you turn around. And uh, so Linda, she wouldn't even like look at it in a cage. She just ran. Um, <laughs> So, which I don't know if you've ever seen Linda run before. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyways, um, so, I mean, it's always cool when you go on a trip like that to be able to do things and experience the culture, um, in, in addition to all the ministry that you do, uh, to experience the culture that's there. Um, and uh, it was a really cool opportunity to be able to do. This is the, the, the village uh, that we went to with the Indigenous People Group. Um, and uh, really cool, awesome experience for for everybody on the trip, but especially, you know, from my perspective, the teenagers to be able to see uh, a different culture and a different place. Um, so we continued to do uh, construction work while we were there. And then while we were doing that, we also had the opportunity to put together food bags and hand them out to families in the church. And, um, and then also uh, we play, there was two kids programs that were planned. And so while some of the men were working on the construction at the church, uh, uh, other, other team members went out and into the village and invited all these kids. And, and it really is amazing to be able to see, like, like you just go and, and, uh, you know, you let a couple kids know, and next thing you know, they're all telling everybody else and, 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 uh, Hey, we're, we're going to do this. And, and they had all of these kids show up at, at this, uh, little, it was like a basketball court area. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 there to see um, a lesson, just to be able to tell them, you know, hey, this is who Jesus is. He loves you. And, uh, and, and just, you know, the joy that was on their faces was amazing, right? I mean, like, you're, you're literally, all you got to do is, like, give them a high five. And, like, there's obviously a language barrier there. And, uh, and, and it's kind of struggling or challenging because of that sometimes. But, but simply, like, showing this kid love and just playing with them and, and uh, handing them a balloon or a bag of popcorn or things like that, like literally means the world to them. And, and I'm sure that some of those kids are going to be like, hey, you remember when that group came and they, you know, all those white people from America came <laughs> and, uh, and, and gave us these things and, uh, and uh, the balloons and, and, and did that story about Jesus and the puppet and all that kind of stuff. And, and those, some of those kids, their lives are going to be changed forever because people chose to go. People chose to go and do missions. Um, so... At the end of the trip, 
We also had the opportunity to uh, experience what baptisms were like there. And it really was an amazing trip. We kind of saw a full circle of like um, doing work to be able to facilitate ministry, doing ministry, seeing results of ministry. And uh, so we had opportunity to go out to a river and, and see baptisms, how they do them. And it really was an amazing thing. Um, the, the way that they do them and the ceremony and, and the, the, the big deal that they make about getting baptized there. And, and they have so many things that they do in certain ways that, that when you get baptized, you get put under and they always do it in a river because when you get put under, your old self is dying and, and floating down the river and, and, and being washed away and you're coming up as a new person. And, um, and it really was an awesome trip. Uh, to be able to see all that. So, um, you know, I, I would encourage uh, all of you that if you have more questions about things that we did or, or whatever, um, ask any of, the, any of the people that were on the trip um, that, that you see, saw raise their hands, and uh, I'm sure that they would love if you just nagged them and asked them questions about it. Um, so on any trip like that, we have to be careful that it doesn't just turn into humanitarian work. Um, and, and really, it was an amazing, we, it, this trip was great uh, because there was so much balance with all of this stuff. Um, we can do a lot of really good things for people. We can hand out food to people who don't have it. We can, you know, whatever you, you put in that category, you can raise money and just donate money, like whatever it is. You can do a lot of good stuff, but if you don't tell them about Jesus, it really is just humanitarian work. It, it, it's not missions. It's not, there's, there, there's no, no eternal purpose behind doing something like that, right? And, um, absolutely a good thing to do sometimes, but it's not fulfilling the great commission and the call that God has put on our lives. You see this in Corinthians chapter 13, where it says, you know, I can do all of these good things. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, and if I can prophesy, and if I can do all of these good things, but I don't have love, it's like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If we go out and do all of this work, but we don't show the love of Jesus, it's literally just noise. It's just noise. Noise that's unintelligible, noise that isn't understood. It's just noise. We have to pair these things with the love of Christ. We have to tell people about Jesus. We have to share this good news. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, Jesus came to his disciples and said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Teach these new disciples to obey the commandments that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We all have a calling on our lives to tell people about Jesus. That's the whole purpose, right? Yes, we, we, we all need to be saved from our sins. We all need to be forgiven from that. And Jesus died so that we don't have to die because of our sins. That is huge. But when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, a major part of that is so that other people can know who Jesus is too. God is calling all of us to be, to be missionaries in some level or another, right? Like I said, I mean, it, it, it can be your classmates in school. It can be your, your people you work with, your neighbors, whatever it is. It can be indigenous people groups in, in, in the Amazon jungle. God is calling us all to go out and tell other people about who he is. Go into all the world Tell them about Jesus, baptize them, and teach them how to go do it to somebody else. Teach them how to go out, disciple them to obey all the commandments that I've given. Um, and and th that's something that's really cool about, uh, about the calling of God. And I don't know if you ever paid attention to this or not or even had this thought process before, but something cool about the calling of God is this, that have you, have you ever noticed how a call from God will always push you to serve others? 
A call from God will always push you towards others. I don't know if I've ever had anybody come up to me like, you know, I just really feel like God's calling me to move down by the beach so that I can have a more relaxing life and, you know, so that I can be more happy and, and, and stuff. And it doesn't work like that. God calls us so that other people can be called by him too. A calling from God always pushes us to other people. You can look at anybody in the Bible and see that. You can look at anybody. And even though it might come with sacrifice, it pushes us so that other people can know who he is. I mean, take, take Joseph, for example. He literally got thrown into a pit and left to die by all of his brothers, goes down this entire road of, of living life of suffering and, and, and receives his calling of God to go and do this stuff. And, and, and like God, God had a plan for him this whole time. And it required sacrifice, but, but it was all with purpose so that when his family came back during this famine that, that they'd be reunited and, and taken care of and, and, and God's people would continue to go on and, and trust in him and know more. And, and we can go into the lives of the disciples who, you know, like it wasn't just about, hey, come be a part of my cool party with Jesus, you know, which honestly back then, like during the time, it wasn't really cool to be part of Jesus' party when it comes to religion and the Pharisees and all that stuff. And, and, uh, but it was always come and do this. I will make you fishers of men. Come and do this so other people will know me too and know my father, right? God's calling always pushes us to other people. Um, it's always about using people to bring more people to him. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 through 30, it says, Christ died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised from the dead. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. When you belong to Christ, you are a new person. Anything that may have been holding you back from him before, keeping you down, spiritually oppressing you and holding you in, it's gone. You have a new life with Jesus. And all of this is a gift from God, in verse 18, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. This is, the, this is the hope that we're bringing. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the good news. This is the reason why people in the Amazon jungle need to know about who Jesus is because there is this good news. There is this hope in relationship with him that Christ already died for the sins that they have done and are going to and are doing now. They can experience salvation through him. This is the hope that we're bringing. In verse 20, it says this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's us. It's not just, if you feel like you're called into full-time ministry, you're an ambassador for Christ. It's not if you feel like you're called to the Amazon jungle or somewhere in Africa or India or some other part of the world, then you're an ambassador. It's not if you have the qualifications, then you can be an ambassador. That's not it. 
Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. And we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Every one of us has a call upon the, uh, every one of us who has called upon the name of the Lord and has been united with Christ in his death and resurrection is called as an ambassador of Christ to bring others back to him. Another thing that really stood out to me on this trip that I was processing a lot when I was there is, is uh, the fact that following Jesus inherently requires sacrifice. I think that sometimes that's not like fun to hear and, 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 uh, and, and know um, and I think that in America, it's, it's hard for us to, to process that. It's hard for us to, to imagine that, that doing the right thing or being a good person by going to church would require sacrifice. But it does. Following Jesus inherently requires a life of sacrifice. Um, and I think, I think sometimes in America, we, Christianity, in American Christianity, we want so badly to have all the benefits of a relationship with Jesus Christ without having to give up anything. I want to be able to go to church on Sunday and feel good about worshiping and, and listening to the sermon, you know, but then during the rest of the week, I want to just live the way I want to live. I don't want to give up my lifestyle or this, or I'm still a good person even if I'm still held by this sin that's captivating me. But that's not the way that it works. It says that we, we have died to our old selves why would you want to hold on to your old dead self when you have a new life in Christ Jesus? One of the biggest things that I see the teenagers uh, and even the adults affected by is seeing how these people and children can have so much joy while living with so little. Um, and, and for me, like on my first missions trip, that was, it was amazing to me. And, and, and even like we were on the way back from uh, the missions trip, and uh, one of the students asked, like, you know, oh, what was the most memorable thing or, or what stood out to you the most? And, and, and really, a very, very much consensus, consensus among the seniors was that it, it was a huge perspective change, seeing that these kids could be happy with so little, right? But here's the thing. It is so much easier to give everything to God when you have so little to lose. I think we got to be careful not to hold on to too much in our lives because if God calls us to go, Man, it's going to be hard to go if you're holding on to so much stuff. When you're ready to let go at any moment, it's so easy. God's like, hey, I need you to do this. And you're like, I, I'm good. I don't have to put anything down. I don't have to find a place for anything. I'm ready to go, right? I saw the pure joy of the Lord in these children on this trip, and I kept thinking to myself, man, what, what could you possibly do for kids in America that would give them this much joy, <laughs> right? Like I said, these kids are getting a balloon and a bag of popcorn, and they're just like having a blast, hanging out with these teenagers and, and, uh, and these, these, these people doing the ministry with them and stuff. And like, you know, kids in America are like, I don't want a balloon. I have a PlayStation. You know, like, it's just like, I kept thinking that, you know, and, and part of the answer to that is, you know, at least from what I see as a, as a youth pastor, from my perspective with these students is that when students truly let go and experience the love of, and grace of God, um, they have that same joy. Like we, we do see that here. Um, it's just different, right? It's just different. 
It, it takes a little bit more. I just think sometimes there's a lot, it's, it's a little harder because there can be so much more that has to be pushed out of the way to get to that place. That's why like when we go on trips to youth camp and fall retreat with the teenagers, there's something incredible that happens when you are intentional about saying, I'm taking myself out of the situation that I'm living in normally and putting myself in this place for this weekend specifically for the reason of hearing from God. And something amazing happens because of that. And sometimes it takes getting out of your situation and going somewhere else for your eyes to be opened and see that God is moving in incredible ways and he wants you to, to be a part of that way more than what you might realize when you have all this busyness and stuff going on around in your life. I know that God is calling us to something more with missions today. Would you guys stand with me as we get ready to close out? I know that God is calling us to something more with missions today. Again, I know I've said this a lot, but your missions field could be anywhere. It can be anywhere. All of us are called to tell people about Jesus. All of us are called to, to, to be with him and, 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 and in our relationship with him, go out and, and bring that good news to other people, to reconcile his people to him by saying, come back to God. Come back to him. Some of us might be called to be missionaries in this place, to go to other places and facilitate the gospel and facilitate those resources and everything so that a team can come in and execute the plan that God has used the missionaries to put in place. Some of us might be feeling a heavy burden right now to go on a missions trip and participate in what God is doing outside of our city. And again, if you're feeling that, start opening your eyes for that opportunity. There's opportunities to go. Start preparing your heart to say, whenever there's a chance, I want to go. Because I'm telling you, if you've never been on a missions trip, you need to. Even if it's an in-country missions trip, but, but there's something about going to a, a complete different culture too that I think is life-changing. Missionaries can't do what they do without the support of the body of Christ. And some of us might be feeling the push to start giving to missions on a regular basis so that the church can continue to help send and keep those missionaries in the place that God called them to go. You know, we see this a lot with the life of Paul in the New Testament that he travels to all these churches and he says, I'm going to come visit you so that you can send me somewhere else. <laughs> He's not ashamed to say, this is your job as a church to send me out so that other people can know, right? Some of us might be called to give a little bit more. Maybe it's donating money to a missions giving organization like Speed the Light or BGMC. Speed the Light is our, our youth missions giving and it, it's specifically used to equip missionaries and BGMC is very much the same. To buy materials for for, for missionaries around the world so that they can do outreaches for kids. And, and um, maybe it's giving to something like that. Last year, our church, our, our church raised uh, $15,000 for um, Speed the Light. It's amazing. And that money is so that villages can get clean drinking water, so that missionaries can have a truck, so that they can go pick up things and, and equipment and, and stuff. This is the whole reason why we did our 100-mile uh, bike ride. Uh, we're doing that again coming up soon. And uh, so if you want to support me on my 100-mile bike ride, you can find my link on my Facebook page. Um, but that's the reason why we do these things. And I, I tell you, it's so much easier to be excited about raising money for these missionaries and do this 100-mile bike ride when I've actually gone to the place and seen these resources used. I know I'm not just giving to nothing. I know that this money isn't just to make me feel good or make it feel like I've done my part. Kids are getting to know Jesus because... I rode 100 miles on my bike so that we can raise some money. The bottom line is this. 
This is the ministry that God has given to all of us to bring the news of salvation to all around us, here, there, and everywhere. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to just go on this trip. God, in this opportunity to share this morning, and I, I pray that, that in, in the hearts of all of us, God, that we would just be opened up to push everything away for a second and just listen to the Holy Spirit in this moment. Whether that's to, to, to start giving more to missions, whether that's to, to go, whether that's a, a call in a life that says, maybe I, should, I might be a missionary one day. Maybe God is pushing me in that direction. God, in whatever level that it's at, maybe it's for a teenager here in, in, in this place that, that needs to start a Bible study in their school and share in that mission field. Wherever we're at in this place, God, I know that you're working in the hearts of these people and myself, Lord. God, I pray that you'd give us opportunities to serve, opportunities to go, opportunities to tell people about you and that we would not be complacent with a religious experience, but we would seek a relationship with you and that we would follow the call that you put on our life. Lord, we lift all these things up to you in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak to you this morning and share about our trip. Um, we love you guys, and we'll see you Wednesday night. <laughs>